Okay, the story of, uh, story of Purim is um, a story that's definitely um, about the entirety of the Jewish people. Um, it was a tremendous uh, moment of peril for, for the, the whole nation. That, uh, th- that we celebrate on Purim because we were able to emerge from it unscathed. But however much we, we understand and know that, uh, that the story of Esther is a story about the Jewish people, the fact of the matter is we call it the story of Esther. It's called Megillas Esther. Even the Pasuk in the Torah that indicates that one day there was going to be a time where there was going to be this tremendous, you know, horrible decree for the Jewish people. The Pasuk says, V'anochi hastir aster panai, that Hashem says He's going to hide His face from us. And we're told that Esther minatar minayin, where do, we, where do we know that there's this person Esther, the concept of the hastaris panam, the concept of Hashem being hidden from the Jewish people, where do we know it from? It's from words that are about, or that indicate, that, that, that are marames, that, that hint to the existence of this person named Esther. So Esther, while the, the, the entirety of the story of Purim is all about the Jewish people, and while there is a Mordechai involved as well, the story of Purim is really very much the story of Esther, and that she is very, very much the focus of the story. And while she is obviously the heroine who was able to save us, it is interesting that there's so much focus put on the fact that that it's her. What's more is that it's not just her as a human being, her as a person, but the Mida of Tznius, the Mida that she had, the, the character trait that she had, of Tznius, and we're going to leave that word undefined for now, is something that is uh, very much uh, a strong focus of Chazal as well. Chazal tell us that um, Esther is from the offspring of Shaul, she's from the, off- he, from the offspring of, of Rachli Menu, all of, all of whom really uh, had this, this Mida of Tznius, which in, in the, the descriptions that the Gemara gives of these different people, it's all about not telling about things. It's all about not saying things. It's all about Shaul after he's appointed king. He doesn't tell anybody that he's the king. And Rachel, we all know about her act of not telling about what's going on when her sister Leah was being given to, to her husband, to, to Yaakov. And Esther, we know, is she doesn't say a word about who she is. She gets chosen to be the queen, and yet somehow she's able to keep her mouth shut, keep her identity a secret, and there is a description of her as being just a tremendous tsunua. And again, the name Esther, the name that means hidden, the name that in the Torah is indicated, Vanochi Hastir Aster, where Hashem says, he's going to hide, he's going to be closed up, he's going to not be visible. That, again, it gives us the sense that, and we know that the whole nace of, of, of Purim was one that was not an overt miracle, but it was one of hiddenness. And there is, again, a focus on Esther, the person, the individual, while we 
you know, we do not call Pesach Moshe. We do not, you know, we, we, don't, we don't talk about, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu is, is an important person. Fascinatingly, Moshe's name is not mentioned even one time in the entire Haggadah. He's out. He's not in the Haggadah. So it's kind of not to make the focus. It's not about Moshe. It's about us. It's about Klal Yisrael. But when it comes to Purim, it's Esther. It's all about Esther, and it's all about the Midah. It's all about the, the, the character trait that her name, hiddenness, um, of the, her character trait of Tznius, uh, is, it's, it all seems to be part of what's, uh, what's important over here. There's another very interesting uh, Gemara that talks about Esther. This one's, I think, not probably as well known. So, um, there's a question in the Gemara as to, um, the, 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 the Megillah says that, Vahi Omen is Hadassah, he Esther. So there's a name Hadassah and there's a name Esther. What's real? Which name is the real name? And which, you know, so is, is one of them a real name? One of them a nickname? You know, like, what, what's her name? Is one of them indicating something? So there's a lot of different opinions in the Gemara. And the Gemara says, Rav Nechemia Omer, Rav Nechemia says, Hadassah Shema, her actual name was Hadassah, Veloma Nikris Esther, why is she called Esther? Shahayu Umos Ha'olim Koronosa Al Shum is Taher. Because the nations of the world called her as being something that was similar to the moon. As she says, something that's beautiful like the moon. So, you know, and the, the word estoher in Aramaic indicates moon. So, therefore, that was, that was her, her nickname. So, Chazal are telling us that the reason she has this name Esther, which, again, it's Megillus Esther, so it's really, it's because she's beautiful like the moon, if a moon is beautiful, she's beautiful like that. And um, that is the, that, that's the point of comparison that Chazal make. And again, there's supposed to be something really deep and really meaningful in this description of Esther as being Yafa Kalavana, being beautiful like the moon, that is supposed to somehow uh, help us understand what Megillus Esther, what the, the story of Esther um, is all about. So, so let's, try to, let's try to understand this. When, when the world was created, when Hashem created the world, there was an extremely fundamental change that took place in the Bria, in our world, from the get-go, from the very beginning. And it's described by Chazal, Rashi talks about it in Parshas Bereshis, and that is that when Hashem first created the world, there were two celestial beings, two, two things in, in the heavens, that were providers of light. One was called the sun, and one was called the moon. And what happened? Then, later in the Pasuk, there's an indication that one of them is considered the Ma'ar HaGadol, and one of them is the Ma'ar HaKatum. One of them is the big luminary, and the other one is the small one. What happened? Why at the beginning are they considered to be similar, and then afterwards one, one's considered one, one's, one's big and one's small? So Chazal tell us that the moon went to Hashem and said, Listen, it's impossible for two kings to be mishtamish b'keserachah, to use one crown. So, we got to do something over here. Me, the sun, something's got to give. And Hashem's response is, okay, so you know what? You become small. And uh, not necessarily what the moon was looking for, but the, um, the, the moon becomes this smaller not very light-giving um, body, 
that, um, that now we don't have this problem, if it was a problem, of two kings using one crown. This, um, this story of, this, of the sun and the moon and the way things were created and then things changing, when, when we're told about things that happened at the time of Brias Olam, that at the time of creation, when there's nobody around, and then you have like these things that have conversations with Hashem and things change, like, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, who cares? There, there's a point to all of these stories or all of these, uh, the, all, all of these ideas being taught to us because there's something very, very impactful and important being taught to us over here. The moon, we know, doesn't actually have any of its own light. The moon is something that reflects sunlight. So any light that you see from the moon, the moon is really what we call rock, and, you know, basically the sun casts its light on it, and it reflects light back to us. Um, there is a... The, the way things were supposed to be was that the moon was always supposed to be reflective. The moon was always supposed to be a reflector of the sun's light. It's not like the sun had its own light, the moon had its own light, and it was just like, hey, this is boring to have two things that are the same thing, so like, Hashem, can you switch it up? The, the question that the moon asked was, it's impossible for two kings to use one crown, meaning the sun and the moon were going to give the same amount of light to earth. They were go both going to provide the same amount of light. The sun was going to be the source of the light, the moon, when it was its time to operate, was going to reflect all of that light to earth. That's how it was supposed to be. So there was supposed to be a full-fledged reflection of light from the sun off of the moon to us. What happened was, is the moon, so that's the words, it's impossible for two kings to use one crown. It's just one source of light. So how can both of us, how could the giver of light, the sun, and the receiver of light, the moon, how could they both have, it doesn't make sense for whatever reason, it doesn't make sense that they both have the same amount. And Hashem says, okay, so you're reduced. Right now, the moon, the moon gives off somewhere between 3 and 12% of the light that it receives from the sun. Very, very, very reduced. What, what, what happened there at the beginning of time is reflected in all of nature. Um, the, the second law of thermodynamics is that, the, um, the first law of thermodynamics is that energy is constant in, in the world, that, that nothing is ever lost, that there's, there's a constant amount of energy in the world, and it can move. It can move from one type of energy to another type of energy. And there are, uh, during these shifts of energy, in the second law of thermodynamics, the, during these switches of energy, it's never going to be a perfect transfer of energy. There's always going to be energy that's lost. So the reason that an incandescent light bulb gives off so much heat is because the energy is transferring from electric energy to a different type of energy. And it has to, the, during that transfer, there's wasted energy. And that, that is released as heat. So the, the energy is constant, but the efficiency of the transfer is never 100%. That's the same idea. That's what happened at the beginning of time. Hashem made it that originally 
energy was going to be able to transfer from the sun to the moon and perfect 100% reflection of that energy. But the moon said something that made it that now that, that energy doesn't transfer that way anymore and we live in a world in which this is what we understand, that energy is never going to transfer perfectly. This also is true when it comes to everything, when it comes to knowledge, when it comes to um, tzidkos, when it comes to righteousness. What are we? We are reflections. We are people who learn. We are per people who have been macabre. We've received knowledge, understanding from generations before us. As generations go down, we have what's called Yerida Sadoros. We have a lowering of the generations. Why does that happen? Because as things transfer, things are lost. As things transfer, things, the, the, the transfer is not perfect, and therefore things are lost. Another place in which this is true is in our relationship with Hashem. Hashem is the giver. We are the receiver. As perfect human beings, we should be reflecting, so to say, the light of Hashem, that, that the, the, the truth and the, the, the perfectness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be reflected through everything that He creates. But in our faulty world, the, the, the image that we cast off is an imperfect image. And people don't see Hashem perfectly through other human beings. That is um, how this played out, this, this change that happened in the, in, in, in the Bria, in, in the original creation, that's how this all plays out. So the idea that the moon suddenly, like, you know, had this change happen to it is not something that just, like, it only matters if you're a moon and this is what happens with the sun and moon relationship. This is something that had an impact and had implications for the way the whole world works. And it teaches us something about what perfection is supposed to be. Hashem created his world in a certain way. It got changed. But that tells us what perfection is supposed to be. And we'll get to, we'll get to that idea in, in, in a few minutes. Now, why is something such a poor reflection of something else? Why is it that, I, that, that, that one thing can't reflect perfectly the 100% of the other thing? It's because if the moon is a moon, right, in, in a sense, if it is itself then how could it just be a 100% representation of the sun? I'm gonna, let's, let's move into the idea of, in the realm of ideas, in the realm of, let's get out of science, and let's, let's move into ideas over here. Okay, if, 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 I, um, if I heard a shear from someone, and you want me to repeat it to you, so I can repeat it, um, the, the, the smarter, the more intelligent a person is, the less likely it is that you're going to get a perfect rendition of the sheer, of the idea. Why? Because I heard it in my mind subconsciously. I had certain thoughts about, okay, he must have meant this, he must have meant that, he must have meant the other thing. Okay, this is how it makes sense to me. And then when I say it to you, I'm not saying exactly what I heard. I'm saying the way I kind of heard it, slash interpreted it, and then I pass it on to you. If I'm a recorder, and I don't have a mind of my own. So then all you do is you take something and you spit it back the same exact way that you got it. The more self a person has, the less he's going to be able to perfectly reflect 
that of someone else. So the more, if you have a relationship between a giver and a receiver, the more the receiver is his own person, the more the receiver is an independent being, the less they're going to be able to perfectly represent and perfectly present that which the giver is giving. So the Levana's problem was, the moon's problem was, he said, hey, the sun's a melech. I'm a melech. So it doesn't make sense. How am I supposed to reflect 100% of his light? I mean, I'm my own thing. I can't just be a, a, just an exclusive representation of something else. So the answer to that was, okay, you can't be the full-fledged reflector. All you could reflect is, I don't know, 3%, 5%, 6%, 7%. That's it. That's how much you could, you, you could reflect. Because you have too much of yourself. You think of yourself as a melech. You think of yourself as independent. And therefore, the ability of you and the sun to use that keser achas, to use that one thing, you're not going to be able to do it properly. There's a fascinating thing that Arizal says that um, the, the Mishnah tells us that a basula, a woman getting married for the first time, is supposed to get married on a Wednesday. It's supposed to get married on a Wednesday. Why? So, there, so there, the Mishnah has its reasons, the Gemara has its reasons. The Arizal says, because it fixes the Levana, it fixes the moon. It's a way to fix the problem of the moon. Okay, what does that reason mean by that? Okay, so I want to explain a concept to you in, a, in, 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 a, in, a, in terms that when Chazal used them, it sounds a little bit misogynistic, but it, it's, they're, they're trying to present an idea over here that, 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 that is, is very important, important and fundamental to, to understanding things. Okay, when a man and a woman, right, are represented in, in Chazal, when Mepharshim talk about them, the man is always considered to be like the giver, and the woman is always considered the receiver. There's, there's, there's a sense that people get, and this is what bothers certain people, especially in our age, in which it makes it seem as though the woman is just supposed to be this passive receiver and not have her own self. That's not what it means. What it means is that a man is, let's say, someone who like gives energy. Uh, and the man is the one who gives, right? In, in, in a traditional sense for thousands of years, the way it was is that the man had all these energy and ideas, da, da, da. and what was the woman's role? The woman's role was to take it and say, okay, to be macabre it, to shape it, to make it make sense, to make it work, to make it, to, to, to funnel it and to shape it and to, and to perfect it, right? It's the way that, it's, it's, it's in a sense the way that children are formed. And it's the way that a marriage is supposed to work. Is it supposed to be two malachim, two kings, that are mishtamish bekeser achas. That there's one sense of energy between the two of them. He's considered more of like the, the active giver of that energy. And the woman is considered to be the makabal, the one who receives it, shapes it, develops it, and turns it into what it's supposed to be. So the woman is represented by the moon. And that's why there's so much throughout Chazal. There's so much idea of a woman being connected with the moon. You know, physically women are connected with the moon. The idea of that is because the woman's role is that of the makabal, the one who's supposed to be the recipient, the one who shapes it, and reflects that energy in a way that makes it more perfected and, 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 and presented correctly. So 
when a woman is getting married for the first time, her absolute faithfulness, the fact that this is the first and one and only, and hopefully only time that she's getting married, it should be on a Wednesday because her pure and complete faithfulness to the no saint, to the giver, is fixing the moon's problem, that the moon was not a faithful recipient of the energy and the light of the sun. The Jewish people in general are always referred to as the female in the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Jewish people. The Shir Hashirim is all imagery of Hashem being the male in a relationship and the, the Jewish people being the Shulamis, being the, 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 the faithful, hopefully faithful, um, woman who is longing for, 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 for her mate. So we are supposed to be to Hashem. Hashem is the no saint. Hashem is the one who gives us um, everything. And we are supposed to be macabre that. We're supposed to receive that. And the goal of our lives is to give ourselves entirely over to Hashem. The goal of a human life is for a person to embody everything that we know Hashem to be about. Hashem tells us what He's all about in His Torah. And therefore, when a person embodies the ideas and the values and the ideals of the Torah, then looking at a person is like looking, we say, you look at a certain person, it's like looking at a walking Sefer Torah. It's not a joke. Looking at a human being could be looking at something divine. It could be looking at someone who is reflecting the divine. David HaMelech, when, when we say Kiddush Levana, I guess... I'll say that when I say Kiddush Levana, um, um, part, of the, part of what we say is, David Melech Yisrael Chavikayam. That's, that's when that's said. It's during Kiddush Levana. What is it doing there? It's not just like, you know, like a, you know just to have a song in the middle. It's, uh, it's because part of the idea of the, the David HaMelech is also compared to the moon because he was able to, to, to lead his life in a way that looking at him was looking at a reflection of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. With the story is told of, of, uh, of Shimon ben Shatach. One time, Shimon ben Shatach was a great leader of the Jewish people. One time he really needed parnasa. He was really short on money. So his students bought him a donkey. So they bought him a donkey. They said, okay, now you could do, you know, you could do work a little bit. And uh, through that, he was going to be able to, um, you know, to take care of himself. Anyway, so he, they buy him a donkey. He takes a donkey. He's like looking it over, and like underneath, like in the he caught in the hair under the saddle, there's this very, very precious jewel. So his talmidim turn to him and say, "That's it. Sell it, and you're good. That's it. You know, you're set for life. You don't have to work anymore." So he said, "Wait a second. How much did you pay for the donkey? Did you pay for a donkey and a jewel? Or you paid for a donkey." He said, "No, we just paid for just paid for the donkey, but." The halacha is, and the Gemara goes through the whole halacha of what's the halacha in a situation where somebody is, basically the seller was negligent and included this in the sale, the way they phrased the sale, etc. Right? The halacha is that he could keep the jewel. But Shimon ben Shatach, it says, went lefnimishur sadin, he went beyond the letter of the law, and he went back to this Arab uh, the merchant who sold the donkey, and he said, listen, I bought a donkey, I didn't buy this jewel. That the merchant takes the jewel and he says, Baruch Elokei Shimon ben Shatach. Blessed is the God of Shimon ben Shatach. Now, why is he praising the God of Shimon ben Shatach? Shouldn't he say, like, Shimon ben Shatach is a wonderful person? No, no, no. When he saw that happen, what the merchant saw was the merchant saw Hashem. Just saw Hashem emanating from a person. 
He said, this is the value. I, I see that it's not the human being. I see that there's something that this human being is reflecting. It's the values of their God. And therefore I say, blessed is the God of Shemid ben Shatach. Not blessed is Shemid ben Shatach. That's the goal. That's the ultimate goal for all of humankind. The Jewish people, in their first, first foray into Gullus, right? That's what the, the Purim story is about a people who had been had had a Mishkan or Beis HaMikdash, basically from the time of Matan Torah, all the way until they got, you know, put, put into Gullus Bavel. It's been about 70 years that they've been in Gullus, right? Not such a long time, right, from our perspective at all. Very short amount of time. So it's really the first time that they're kind of like stuck in a Gullus, and they are seduced by the Goyim. They're seduced by the nation that... Achashverosh makes a, a, a banquet, everybody comes, everybody enjoys themselves, and Chazal tell us that's where they fell. The fact that they got so involved in that, the fact that they became people who suddenly had independent values and wants, that it had nothing to do anymore with what does Hashem want, what does Hashem need, what is, what, their, their lives became like, what's going to make me feel good about myself? What's going to make me have pleasure? The Seud of Achashverosh, wine, da, 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 right? So all these wonderful things that, 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 that were being offered over there. As soon as they got into that mess, they had lost that sense of being the dedicated mate of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We had stopped reflecting the light of Hashem, and we became, in a sense, independent of Him. And we needed to recognize and realize our error and rededicate ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, there was a special agent that was necessary. Someone had to get involved that was going to lead a whole movement of change within the Jewish people. And the person who embodied that change and what it was all about was Esther. Esther was a person who um, was a woman, Someone who played the role in life of the Makabal. An unbelievable story, you know, d d based on, if you think about the different opinions in Chazal about who she was. Some say that she was married to Mordechai. She's married to Mordechai, and then she's also married, in a sense, to Achashverosh, right? And from the, the, the sense we have is that her marriage to Achashverosh didn't make her, right, off limits to Mordechai. The Gemara has that, the, the Gemara tells us. How not? So the Gemara says, you know why? Because there was never ever, she never had any hana, she never had any benefit or pleasure from being with Achishverosh. It was something that, it was as if she wasn't there, she wasn't part of that relationship at all. She was a person who was so dedicated, so in a physical sense, to her one and only spouse, and in a much more important sense, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that there was nothing in her life that mattered. It didn't matter who she was. It didn't matter where she was. It didn't matter who she was with. She was in a, living a life that was an absolute nightmare, a Gehenim for anyone. Um, having, I mean, imagine you can't tell anyone what your name is, who your family is, um, that, that you can't have, have any kind of human and personal relationship with anyone. How do, you, how do you live a life like that? Everybody needs to have someone who, I mean, at least knows something about them. Where you're from, something, anything, 
no one was ever able to figure out that she was Jewish. She never indicated that she liked, uh, you know, uh, gefilte fish. Nothing. There was no indication at all that she was a Jew for anyone. It was a surprise. Everybody was shocked. Haman was shocked. He couldn't believe it, that she was Jewish. How did she pull that off? She pulled it off because she didn't need or care about anything else in her world. Because she, she just had a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's it. She was the perfect Yoreach. She was the perfect moon. She was just reflecting 100% of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's, that's who she was. Tznius, real Tznius, is all about... The real definition of Tznius is someone who is just so dedicated to the core of who they are, to their inner self. And that inner self is totally dedicated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that their whole life has nothing to do with externals, has nothing to do with what other people think, what other people see, has nothing to do with any of that stuff. Their whole life is just all about, it's me, and me meaning who I am inside, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's everything. And all other elements of tzniyas and the things that we call tzniyas, it's not about the elbows and the knees and all that business. It's the, the, that's that's tzniyas. The other stuff follows. The other stuff follows. It's, it enables us to understand what our identity is and who we are. But the tzniyas that we talk about when it comes to somebody who doesn't need to tell anybody things, somebody with all the, all the examples in the Gemara of tzniyas, that we talk about are, Shul doesn't need to tell anybody that he's the king. Rachel doesn't need to tell anybody that she's supposed to marry Yaakov. And Esther doesn't need to tell anybody who she is. What's that all about? It's about just, it's a total fixation and dedication to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what she was. She was the ultimate in that type of, 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 of connection. And that's why it says that she was Nosis Chain, that she had this Chain. Now, you know, that sometimes that could be used as a, you know, kind of backhanded compliment type of thing. But chen, reality means that no matter who looked at her, she always just found favor in everyone's eyes because there was a divine look that she had. She, there was something absolutely and literally divine about her. And therefore she was no sis chen. Therefore she found favor in everyone's eyes. So the umas ha'olam, so the nations of the world, when they looked at her, and they saw her, they said, wow, she, is, she has the beauty of a Yareach. She has the beauty of a moon. Because by looking at her, we're able to understand and we're able to see what Hashem is all about. By looking at her, we're able to understand things. We're able to see what this is, what, this, what, what Yiddishkeit, what dedication to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all about. The moon was told, it's a fascinating, the words of Chazal, the moon was told by Hashem, Tzi'i, Go and make yourself smaller. What was it saying? So the Pasha Pshat, the simple idea is that it was said, you can't be a big light anymore, you have to be a small light. No, 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 Hashem was saying, you want to be a full reflection of the sun? Make yourself smaller. Don't, it's not about you. It's not about yourself. Go make yourself, your sense of self, make that smaller. And then you'll be able to be a proper reflection of the sun's light. Therefore, then you'll be able, to, and we about ourselves, then we'll be able to be a proper, a proper reflection of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light. You know, there's an amazing idea that um, the, whole, the, whole, w- w- the whole idea of Purim, what, what's unique about the salvation of Purim, is we say V'nahapachu. That everything, like, turned around, right? Everything was V'nahapachu. Everything, everything that, that, that Haman tried to do to Mordechai, you know, ended up happening to Haman. So, Rav Hortner has, and he's really focusing on a different idea, 
when he talks about this, but he says a fascinating thing. He says that when things like bounce back on someone, he says like it's, it's, it, it, it indicates, right, the, the idea that things were exactly the opposite. What it means is, what it's indicating is, is that when Haman put all of his power into devastating the Jewish people, he put a, an amount of force that the Jewish people were considered in Shemayim goners if they hadn't done tshuva, if they hadn't followed the lead of Esther, they hadn't started rededicating themselves to Hashem. But they were goners because he had all of this force aimed directly point blank at the Jewish people. And it's all v'nahapachu. It all goes exactly back on him. So I was thinking, it goes exactly back on him with no loss of energy. Usually, right, if you throw a ball against the wall, it's not going to come back there's, there's hit something, energy is lost, and then it comes back. When things happen exactly in the reverse, what happened was, is it was like, it's like a laser beam reflecting off of something. That it went straight back at him. He shot it at the Jewish people. Kaddish Baruch Hu put up a force field. Boom, came right back at him. But it came right back at him with the same force. And that is an indication of what happened at the time of Purim. Where the reflection... This idea that there was this, that, that our world is, is one in which we can't properly reflect Hashem, in which th things are faulty, and therefore we can only be a slight, we can only be a 3%, uh, 0.3%, a 0.03% reflection of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But there was a reflection that happened at that time where HaKadosh Baruch Hu took all of the kalach, all of the force that Haman put into destroying the Jewish people, and he turned all of that, literally all of it, right back on Haman to indicate to the Jewish people there's something going on here this reflecting, this idea of being reflections of Hashem this is real and that's why the salvation came through an, a, a reflection a deflection of the energy that, 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 that Haman launched at the Jewish people when, when we think about what Purim is all about and what it's supposed to be all about for us so when we read the Megillah there's a sense that we're supposed to have of getting in touch with ourselves and identifying how it is, listen, we, we have a story in which we have uh, in, no indication that Hashem is involved, and yet every indication that Hashem is involved. We have, there's no obvious acts of Hashem, but at the same time, we have Hashem, like just, you know, when, when we read the story, 2020 hindsight, but we're able to see how Hashem was there through the whole thing, how our world and the events that happen in them reflect how Hashem is here, Hashem, Hashem is guiding, Hashem is, is being reflected off of us and off of the way our world behaves. We're, the, the, the part of the day is to, to see how Hashem, we are all in Hashem's hands, see how Hashem is our mate and how Hashem wants to have this relationship with us of mishtamish bekeser echad, where Hashem has His energy, has His light, has, 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 his, has, has the R, has the, 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 the MS, the truth, the, 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 the everything of Hashem, the infinity of Hashem, is supposed to be something that reflects, that, that He wants to share with us, and that He wants us to reflect. It's about Kimu Vakiblu, it's the Jewish people rededicated themselves to keeping the Torah because they were sensed that Hashem was giving them their life, and therefore they decided to turn their lives into a reflection of Hashem's will. And the sense of simcha, the sense of happiness that that's supposed to come with, that this is who we are, that on Purim we were shown that a Baruch Hu wants us, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to reflect His light. HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose us specifically over everyone else to be able to do that. And at that time, we were able to come to our senses and recognize that like everything about ourself, everything about us, we, uh, that's, that's, that's worthless. All the, all, the, all the pleasures that we're trying to pursue right now, forget about those things. Right? And that we need to just dedicate ourselves entirely to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The, the, the purposefulness of life, when a person feels that way, is that which is supposed to infuse us with a tremendous uh, a feeling of simcha, a tremendous feeling of joy and happiness and satisfaction. And that's really what, 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 uh, what Purim is all about. So Esther really sums up what Purim is, because it's her and what she personally was all about and what she personally was able to do with her life, that shows us what it is that, number one, the Jewish people as a whole were able to do with theirs, and what it is that we're supposed to do with ours. And we should be zocha as we, as we approach Purim, and we experience Purim, and Purim is, is one of the hard things about Purim, is that, you know, you say that, one of the hard things about, about, uh, about Pesach, and so, you know, some, some of them maybe are a little too long, right? Like, by the end, it's like, you know, Okay, we're done, right? But uh, Purim is too short. It's like there's so much going on in Purim, but like it's too much. Like by the time you turn around, it's like this, the, the sunset and it's over. Like you know, this, you know, and you have to wait another year. So part of Purim, what we have to do is we have to take the time to think to ourselves, what is it that we're having a good? time? Why are we doing this? What are we having a good? What are we supposed to get out of reading the the story of the Megillah? Why are we all so festive? Why are we feeling good? And, and, and why are we so besimcha? Why are we so happy? It's because we have this opportunity to, 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 to refix that which this mute halavana, this, this lessening of the moon, we could show the world why the moon is so beautiful and be a reflection of the moon just like Esther was.